0: And in those weeks, as we've begun the discussion about his authority, we've come to recognize it's really tough for us to get our mind around. And this morning, as we start down this road again, I just want to remind you, Again, about that bobbing boat out on the Sea of Galilee. Pushed away from shore with Jesus on board. His disciples, four of them them at least, really good, really good seafaring men. They're headed across the lake. It's the plan for the afternoon, for the evening. And just a massive storm blows in—a storm from Satan himself, a storm meant to end the ministry of Jesus right there on the lake. Him and all of his disciples lost at sea. Fish food. And the disciples try to battle against the, the authorities that are way beyond their reach. Principalities and powers that they have no understanding of. They they do their best. While Jesus naps, they're bailing water as the water comes over the gunnels of the boat. They're lowering the sail. They're trying to row to keep the nose into the wind. They're doing everything right. That can be done. But the storm's too big for them. And so they don't know what to do. They've done everything they can. They're at the end of their rope. They're hanging on for dear life and they will soon perish if something doesn't change in the scenario they find themselves in. They've given orders to all of the non-sailors Bail, just bail. Use anything you can find. And pray and ask God for help. Finally, they go to the stern of the boat for the sleeping Jesus. Finally, they turn to the answer that's been there all along. Finally, they say, the Bible actually says, and then after they've done all of that, and then at last they turn to him and they say to him as if he's the one late to the party, Don't you care that we're about to die here? I don't know what they really expect him to do at this point because they're surprised by what he does. I don't know what the expectation was. Just save us, whatever it takes. You know, if we have to go overboard, help us to be buoyant. If we, whatever. I don't know what the expectation is. Here, here's a bucket. We have one extra bucket and you're asleep. Bail. One more bucket may be the end of all we need. We don't know what they expect because they're surprised by the outcome of his activity. He wakes up. Standing in a... Now, now, this on its own is a big deal. Standing in a boat that is roaring around in the waves. Up and down and side to side. Sea legs like that are long and hard-earned. And he simply turns to the wind and the waves and said, all right, enough of that. Stop. Because all the powers and principalities that we fight against are under the control of the Creator who made them. And a calm comes across the water. And the last bailing stops as they look around. And they look at Jesus. And they look at each other. And as the boat settles down, their hearts begin to pound and pound and pound, not because of the water, but because they're astounded by who's in the boat with them. They're amazed by the authority of Jesus. The Bible says, and they were afraid because of his authority. Here's the the line, here's the takeaway as we start today. There is no storm that comes into the life of a follower of Jesus that can change your destination. No matter how big it is, no matter how scary or crazy it is, there is no storm that comes into the life of a believer, a follower of Jesus that can change your destination. As we said last week, only you and I can change that. Because that is the edge of his authority. But the edge of his authority is not a storm. It is not the full force, full throttle, flagellation of the devil. He's not afraid of him. He made him. And the devil's breath, he owes to God. His existence, he owes to God. There is nothing on this planet, no matter how frightening it is to us, that God does not have authority over. So I want to remind you, our problem here, great big God, only this much brain. Our problem here is not a problem with God. It is a problem with us. It's a problem with our understanding of who's in the boat. Job said it, chapter 36, God is greater than we can understand. I know you understood the words that came out of my mouth over the last three to five minutes, but can you understand the implications for your day? And more importantly, in the moment, can you take that with you into tomorrow? It's very difficult for us to hold on to an understanding of the authority of God. We just have a really tough time remembering and hanging on to and believing and having faith in who God is. We want to figure Him out. We want to understand Him. The psalmist says in Psalm 115, Our God is in the heavens and He does as He wishes. That's pretty good news for the church. Job again, answering God, I know that you can do everything. Stop. Everything is a lot. And that no purpose of yours, no purpose of yours, can be withheld from you. If you intend to do something, it will be done. Period. (laughs) Thy will be done is a fact. Not a question. For I know that the Lord is great, and whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and in Rockland. Roseville and Auburn. Maybe not Citrus Heights, but (laughs) Antelope. Just kidding, just kidding. If you live in Citrus Heights, I was only kidding. From eternity to eternity, from eternity past to eternity future, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand. If you have chosen to be a follower of God... No one, no circumstance, nothing that changes on the planet can take you, can remove you from his hand. Nothing on this planet can remove you, take you out of his hand. No one can undo what I have done. The importance of understanding the authority of God as much as we can with our little bitty brains is because it is in the authority of God that is we deepest. That it is the deepest rock upon which the anchor of our faith clings. It is in understanding that our God is a, in a, of immense authority, that nothing, no storm that comes into our lives can change the destination of those same lives. Nothing. Our problem is we think we have a God small enough for us to understand. We think we can know too much. We think we can know more than we are capable of knowing. As Jack Nicholson famously said, we can't handle that much truth. I've added a little. He was off. We don't have the brain power to handle it completely. And so God says, I've given you enough information to grasp it by. You understand the difference, right? The difference between knowledge and faith. I can believe things that I have a a grasp of or a direction to from knowledge, but don't have full knowledge. Faith allows me to close the gap from what I don't understand. but my little brain can't comprehend. So what I want to talk about today, beyond what I've already done, is the problem of prayer. If we, in fact, have a God who has all authority in heaven and in earth, what is the deal with prayer? There's a bunch of problems. There's a bunch of questions about it. Why do I have to do it? If God knows the end from the beginning, He knows what I need, He knows what I want, why can't I just put this on autopilot and say, I'm not praying, you do what you want. Perhaps if you could stay in that surrendered mode completely, that would work. The problem is the brokenness within us makes it very difficult for us to stay in that kind of a surrendered mode. What do we do with the nose? What do we do with those no's? When we would like to get a yes and we get a no, what do we do with that? What do we do when we are certain that what we're asking for is within the will of God and we still get a no? What do we do then? If all authority and all power from uh, in heaven and earth is God's and what He does, He He can do anything. If that is true, if if what we read in the New Testament about what Jesus is doing, he walks up to a funeral that's in progress. A young man is about to be buried. They're walking to the seminary to plant the guy. He's going to be daisy food by now, By the time tomorrow. He is on his way to the grave. And Jesus says, hey, this lady has only one son. This is him. Let's not let this go on anymore like this. Hey, get up. Go back and help. Go, go clean the dishes. Mow the lawn. Your mom needs you. Why isn't that happening all the time? Why don't I get that answer when I pray? I have some real anxiety about some people who are sick. Why isn't that getting answered in the way I want? We have lots of problems. We have lots of questions. We have lots of problems with prayer. And the authority of God seems actually to stir it, not help it. Right? So let's, let's walk that road just a little bit together between now and when we close today. I want to take you to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have toward Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We have confidence. We have confidence toward God, toward Jesus that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. You notice what John didn't say? James would argue, you don't have things because you don't ask for them. King James, you have not because you ask not. He's saying you should be asking for more. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't withdraw your prayers. Ask for more things. Do more praying. Ask about everything. In fact, the Bible actually says pray about everything. I've chosen the message here because the nuance of what it says. Jesus speaking from now on. Whatever you request... Now, this is where your your, uh, New King James would say in my name. But they have expanded what that means. Along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. Asking in the name is more than just pronouncing Jesus' name over what we want. I claim a brand new Bentley in the name of Jesus. I actually have a Bentley. He's eight years old. He sheds all over my house. <laughs> if I get a new one, he needs to not shed. And I'd prefer black. If you, if you make a request, whatever your request, along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, notice the alignment that's being asked for. I'll do that. I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who He is in the Son. The answers to your prayers as you align yourself with me will reveal who God is. Note that there's two pieces to this. The answer to your prayer and your alignment with who Jesus is. Both of which are revealing who the Father is. took me a while to be comfortable writing yeses because that word does not make sense that should be yeses. so there's a couple of yeses to talk about the yes that is yes right now you got your answer it's yes now right now is your yes here's your yes and here it is right now remember the woman who had had the uh, issue of blood for 12 years remember her She got a yes, right? Did she get a yes? She got a yes in a now. But that now came 12 years after she first started. Your now might be away from now. We'll get to waiting in a minute. But she got a yes in the moment. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Boom, bang. Ah. She's better. She knows it. Jesus knows it. Everybody else is wondering what's going on. Yes. Now. Isn't that what everybody wants? We want a yes, and we want it now. We want a yes to our request, and we want it now. And if we could figure out a formula to make this happen, we would all be in on it, right? Want yes, we want it now. We want We don't want a yes but. There's some yes buts, right? Yes, but. Yes, but we're going to have to wait till your head gets right. Yes, but we're going to have to wait till you're a little older. Yes, but we're going to have to wait till you're a little more mature. Think about it for a second. Do you throw the keys to your car to your 10-year-old and say, drive yourself to school? It'd be a very exceptional 10-year-old that would get the key car keys. Why not? You're saying, yes, son, I'm happy to have you drive. Yes, my dear sweet daughter, I'm looking forward to the day when you drive yourself to school. But you're not there yet. There's some yes, but. Yes, I'm going to answer this prayer. Yes, I'm going to do this, but you're going to have to do this through a process. I'm actually going to use some other people who will be a blessing to you so that it might be a blessing to them and to you. To answer this prayer. Not yes now. Sorry, Walt. Yes, but. There's some yes and. There's some yes and. I'm going to say yes and I'm going to add whipped cream, nuts, and a cherry. You're getting two Bentleys. Because I want to. You're getting extra bonus material. You're getting things you didn't even know. The the desires of your heart come into the yes and. That God will grant you the desires of your heart. Things even unspoken before you understood it. Yes and is bigger than a simple yes. I wonder about this with Jairus. Was Jairus getting a yes and or a yes but? You mean he's, sitting, he's standing there in the crowd as this woman with the issue of blood actually gets her healing experience, right? She's there getting a, a yes right now and he's waiting for a yes right now. And his little girl is dying and he knows she's on the brink. This woman is delaying Jesus and if you read all the translations about it, one of the translations says she told him the whole story. It's a 12-year story. Guys, how do you tell a 12-year story? Hey, 12 years ago, I had this issue going on, and it's, it's, it's cool now. I'm good. 12-year story from a guy. Ladies, how do you 12, tell the 12-year story? 12 years ago, it all began when I woke up on March 7th, I think it was. And I realized that I had a problem. And at first, I thought it was just a little thing, the normal activities of a woman's life. And I thought, oh, well, that's weird, but okay. And then March 9 and 10 and 12 and 15, and it got to April and it was still going on. And so I went to a doctor. And the first doctor I talked to, his name was Jones, Dr. William Jones. We talked for about an hour. We talked about a lot of things. And eventually we got around to talking about what my problem was. And when I told him what my problem was, he said, Oh, I don't really know what to do. That's not my specialty. So, hey, I'm going to send you over. And he, told, he sent me out to Dr. Harry Hayek. And when I got to Dr. Hayek, he, he was on the other side of town. I had to walk for like three miles to go see Dr. Hayek. That's how you ladies tell a story of 12 years. It's a simple difference. Lady in the front row just said that's the right way to tell a story. <laughs> so imagine poor Jairus having to get through the whole story. We've got stuff to do. We've got concerns here. Come on. Peter, can you, can, you, can you shut her up and get him going? Someone comes to Jairus in the middle of the conversation and says, stop bothering him. It's too late. sorry, man, she died. Jesus seizes that moment and says to Jairus, we're going to your house. Jairus had a plan for how Jesus was going to answer his prayer. When he arrived at the beginning of the story, he actually tells him, I want you to come to my house and touch my little girl and heal her. She's about to die. Now we've been interrupted by this woman who's telling her story, and Jesus is now answering yes to a completely different problem. She's died. Jairus came for healing. Jairus is about to get a resurrection. Resurrection is spectacular. But resurrection requires death. You know the story, if you've been reading the scriptures, you know that he gets to the house and the doubters are there and the questioning is going on and why are you late and what's going on? And he walks in, he clears the place of all of the doubters. Sometimes you might need to clear the place of all the doubters. Takes Peter, James, and John, goes up to a room and raises her from the dead. That's a pretty big yes and started by a yes but. The last yes is the yeses you miss. You've prayed for things, and God has answered, and you were so on about your life, you've completely missed the answer. Sometimes we just need to stay focused long enough for us to actually know He said yes. We might be praising God a lot more if we just paid a little better attention to the answers. Yeses are good. What about the nose? What about the nose? Get nose. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes there's no but. No, but. You will thank me later. Right? Ever had any prayers that were answered? No, that you said, hey, that was a good idea. Thank you. You know what the repair bills on a Bentley are? Are you kidding me? I'll take a Chevy. Thank you very much. I'll get there same time. You will thank me later when you understand what I understand. It's from John thirteen seven. What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward, you'll understand. The disciples did not want Jesus to be crucified. Right? Where would we be if they got their will? Peter was so bold as to give God orders about what he was going to do. Right? Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will be crucified. And he said, no, you won't. Not happening. Once they understood, do you think they were glad? Not glad that Jesus died, but glad for the amazing outcome of God's decision. You don't understand now, but when you understand, you will thank me. No, but you need to refocus. Just refocus. My ways are not your ways. Stop. Stop. I know you think that's within the will of God. Stop. Think about it for a minute. Refocus. Hold on. Think this through. Think about what you're asking for. Look, I'm falling off the roof. Could you just stop gravity for a few minutes? I have a few seconds before I hit the ground. Can you just reverse gravity on the whole planet for a moment? Give me a nice, soft, cushy landing back on the roof. Right? It kind of bleeds over into the next one, which is, don't be silly. You kidding me? Really? That's what you're asking for? <laughs> don't be silly. Does that sound like something God wouldn't say to you? Does it sound like you might ask for something silly once in a while? Okay. No's and yeses. James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Lord, if you could just make my neighbor sick. Never been prayed in the whole history of mankind, has it? Lord, if you could just make my neighbor go away. I was once in a a training seminar with a pastor who told us, as a group of young pastors, look, when I have a problem with someone in the church, I pray for them. Some of them die. You know what our immediate reaction was? Don't pray for us. (laughs) You need to refocus. You need to figure some things out. You have the wrong motives going on here. I don't want to be responsible for somebody dying because I prayed for them so that you spend it on your own pleasures. You just want your own stuff. Don't be silly. You just want your way. You know me better than that. Does this relationship sound realistic to you? Why do we have so much problem? Why do we have so much trouble with the big authority of God and those, no's. Is the problem a submission problem? A misunderstanding? Then there's the least favorite of all. Weight. And weight is the big answer. Weight is the most common. Weight is more common than yes or no. Wait is the answer you get all the time. Wait is the most common answer anyone gets from God. Peter even addresses it: the Lord is not slow about His promises. As some count slowness, people are saying God is never getting around to helping me out. He's just not getting onto the problem, to the issue, fast enough for me. He's not slow as some people consider slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Do you know what they were praying for? They were praying for Jesus to come. And Peter said, hold your horses. There are lots of other people waiting in line to get to heaven. And if he stops now, they're not getting there. Aren't you glad they didn't get an answer to that prayer in the first century? You were waiting in that line. I was waiting in that line. Wait. I can't say yes to all good things. It wouldn't be a fair fight. If every believer got exactly what they wanted every time they prayed, if there was a secret formula that we could teach you, here's what it says in the scriptures: Do this and this and this. Again, this is why I really despise formulaic prayer teaching. I really despise This is one of those things. Don't ever ask me to bring one of those guys here to preach. It's not going to happen. Formulaic prayer advice is a statement about my controlling God by what I do. I get this right. He does that. It's, it's getting the 35 cents into the, into the machine. It's making sure you have four quarters to buy your soda instead of a dollar bill because the machine doesn't take dollars, dollars. It's about formulas and it's not. You can't manipulate God. It doesn't work that way. If it did, everyone would quit their, their, their bad behaviors, become a Christian co- so they could get stuff. The fight would be lost. Satan would not have a chance. This is that fairness that we've talked about, this conflict that's going on behind the scene, this great controversy that's going on. God limiting his authority to your requests and limiting his answers and his yeses. Because if he answers yes to every one of you, every time you pray for someone who's sick, first of all, we clean out all the hospitals and AH goes under, under immediately. And then a lot of people are out of work and you're responsible for it. And secondly, people are lining up to get in the door, not because they want to follow Jesus, but because they found the miracle ABC to make God do what they want. Number two, death reigns on our planet. God told us it would. If you eat of the tree that gives knowledge of evil, you cannot be allowed to live forever because I cannot have evil going on in the universe forever ever. It's too destructive. It's too horrible. Now, before you get really frustrated with the weights, can you remember that delay is not denial? Delay is not a no. Wait is not a no. No matter what we think, no matter how often we might think it is, delay, wait is not a No. Remember God's eternal intent in this. Remember God's eternal intent in this discussion. Revelation tells us what it is. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4. We know what God is up to. God's eternal intent is a yes. And it's a yes to everything that is within His will. Let your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven is a descriptor of the fact that God's will is done in heaven. There will be no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone. Why? They're a result of sin. We've wiped away sin. The intent of God is a yes. The intent of God is a yes. It has never been the intent of God that anyone die and yet death reigns on our planet. Because God has had to back off and let some of that stuff happen so that we understand the pain of sin, so that we understand the price of sin, so that we understand what sin does to us and to others. How evil it really is. God's intent is to take death and sorrow and pain and crying and cast them aside because those are results of sin, not results of God. So put God's eternal intent into the discussion. I don't want to put you back in the boat. It was never God's intent to tell you no. Because before sin, anything you asked for was already in alignment with who he was. And there are carefully listen to what I'm saying. There are no nos for a believer praying in the will of God. But there are a lot of weights. There are no nos for a believer praying in alignment with the will of God. But there are a lot of waits. Lord, I'd like you to heal my friend, my child, my neighbor, my husband, my wife. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen until the end. This isn't gonna happen until I wipe away sin. But I promise you the wait will be worth it. I promise you the weight will be worth it. You know who the happiest people popping through the pearly gates are? And everybody's happy, but there's a there's another level of happy. The happiest people going through the pearly gates are the people going through with their sons and daughters, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers that they didn't think were going to make it. The backflips going through the pearly gates are being done by the people who have been investing in prayer for their family. And only at this moment, realize that their prayers have been answered. It was a long wait that closed when they closed their eyes. But when they walked through the pearly gates, there's the answer to their prayer. And so I put you back in the boat. When he got into the boat, Jesus, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on, the, arose on the sea, so the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Ever think God's been sleeping at the wheel in your life? Can you trust Him for a weight? You know what's crazy about this story? Is that the weight isn't provided by God. In fact, it's just the opposite. You know who waits in this story? The disciples. They create the delay, not Jesus. They are suffering through the fear of dying. They're suffering through the roaring waves, the the water pouring over them, the extremity of the situation. They are suffering through it because they're waiting to talk to Jesus about it. Here's the crazy part. Some of us are not getting answers to prayer because as James said, we never asked. It's it's You look at the next word. The waves are crashing over the, 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 the bow, the, the stern, the sidewalls, the gunnels, everything. There's just water pouring into the boat. Twelve men are bailing as fast as they can with everything they have. And there's one guy taking a nap in the back. And they wait until they're sure they're going to die before they wake up the guy who has the answer. What were they thinking? We got this, we know what we're doing. I know how to run a boat. You turn the bow into the wind and the waves and you ride this thing out. It can't go on forever. But they were battling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers beyond their comprehension. And the answer was in the boat. The authority was in the boat. The yes was in the boat. Asleep. And no one thought to wake them until they thought they were about to die. You may be in that situation today. You're really one prayer away from a resolution to a big problem. If that's you, wake Jesus up. If you've been praying and nothing's changing... Don't stop praying. You might need to stop and think about what you're praying, but don't stop praying. If for no other reason than to recognize that Jesus is in the boat with you, don't stop praying. To recognize that this ride that you're on, it's a lot more fun when you realize He's with you than it's not. To be able to sleep at night, don't stop praying. To be able to offload the pressure, don't stop praying. Keep coming back to Him. Keep coming back to Him. Keep asking if you're praying for what His will is. Keep coming back. There are no no's. There are no no's. For those who have aligned their prayers with the will of God. There are weights. But there are no no's. Let's pray. Father, I know that's a huge thing I just said. You are a huge God. We trust you for the answer that may not come until eternity. But we would really like the answer now. We'd even like to know if the answer is no now. We're anxious like that. we choose to trust you we choose to trust that nothing can be taken out of your hand that if you will something it does happen but we also recognize that if you are not willing at this moment you have a good reason one that we may not understand until eternity. But we choose to trust you when the answer is no. And we believe you for the cache of answers waiting in the New Jerusalem.